don't buy everything else. We'll develop it further. Okay, so the point is that if there's no one who's willing to take delivery of the gold, i.e. exchange their futures for the underlying, okay, then the temptation is to make the length of this much longer than anything that's written. Any futures contract that is written. Okay, so what do we have here? Okay, what we've described here is basically the gold market equivalent of borrowing short and lending long, as it were. Okay, because you really only have the gold for six months, but you're lending it out for a period much greater than six months. Much, much greater than six months. Because you can. is six months. Sorry, his liability is much greater. So he's lent the gold out for a much greater period than any of the futures contracts that he's written, basically. And he's happy doing that because he assumes that futures contracts are going to get rolled for the difference in the interim and not be called for the gold underneath. Is that clear? everyone. Right. Just. Okay. Now I see a few heads nodding, so I can continue. Have to finish up quite soon because this is meant to be half a lecture. Um, so when will this problem start to unravel? Okay, you've got you've got mismatching maturities here. When will this problem start to unravel? Well, basically when the holders of gold futures want delivery of their gold. And if the rate at which they want delivery of their gold is higher than the uh, rate at which gold is being received from leases, okay, then you have a problem, basically, and you move into backwardation. So cash gold is higher than spot, uh, sorry, spot gold is higher than cash gold. Between spot gold, sorry, spot gold is higher than, than future gold. Okay, and this is nothing more than a symptom of what's been going on here. Okay, so when the, when the maturity of the underlying collateral loans is in excess of the futures contract written, you will have problems with scientific fact at some point. There's no way you can get around it. So ultimately, from this basis, you, you can see that, all right, if push comes to shove and there's no gold come six months, you might be offered either cash settlement 
or if you're particularly important, you might be offered the gold lease underneath it. But this is for sure, you will not get your gold. You will get your gold, but not when you want it. Now that to me is equivalently the same as not being able to get your gold. You're not able to exchange fiat for gold, or you won't be as a consequence of this for some point. It's a default of a contract, essentially. Yeah. Okay. I wrote this in December 2011, which was before Germany wanted uh, their gold back. Okay, but basically when they wanted their gold, they wanted their gold back there and then. And the US government turned around and said, you can have your gold back, but over seven years. So it's exactly what I've said here. You will get your gold, but not when you want it. Okay, it's, 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 um, and it's all because of the consequence of this. Okay, so backwardation signifies that people are not willing to hold a fiat claim or a fiat denominated claimed gold over the gold itself, basically. They can't be bribed by a, um, they can't be bribed by this difference. Anyone that has cash gold is being offered this premium to get rid of their cash gold in favor of the future. So normally, if we bring the analogy back to the apple market, okay, if someone has apples, they would take this. There's no reason for them not to. Okay, but they're not taking it. The backwardation in the gold is staying there. Even though anyone that has cash gold can sell at a premium, buy at a discount in the future, pocket the difference, and theoretically exchange that difference for gold, and earn a gold return. <coughs> Essentially, so the demand for gold right here and now is, is is so high that everybody's bidding it up to the point where no no one's so interested in getting it in the future because they don't believe that if they bought a futures contract they'd actually receive the, the metal. There, there is an element of that to it, yeah. But it's more to do with the interplay of interest rates here because I haven't talked about it. That's the subject of Professor's talk. But you've got the gold interest rate here and you've got the fiat interest rate. You know, so... Um, what the competition turns into is a competition between fiat interest rates and gold interest rates. Now normally fiat interest rates have to be much higher than gold interest rates for, 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 for you not to want to have gold, as it were, on loan. Okay, you need that bribe. So as a consequence of that, the market is normally in contango. The, the price of the future is higher than the price of the spot. Okay, but now, you've got a conundrum, okay, because fiat interest rates are heading one way only, basically. And gold interest rates can follow them, but uh, only up to, a, up to a point. And then the difference between fiat and gold and the problem with this arbitrage will become very apparent, okay, is that you will not be able to exchange your 
dollar profit for gold at the end. Or you won't be getting your gold back at the end when you expect it. Okay? So that's all the backwardation in, in gold is saying. Well, not that all, it's pretty major, you know. It's signifying that people are not willing to hold fiat over gold, even for comparatively short periods of time. I'm not just talking any people here, I'm talking about the people that matter in terms of gold supply. Okay. They're not willing to, uh, to be bribed by this difference. Or this difference is not sufficient for them to not have their goal for that time period. The difference might become sufficient and they might be fooled away into doing it, but that's another matter. To, to get a little bit of perspective, do you have any idea as to, to what the backdation is for, say, one month or, or three months in, in the gold price? I do. I do. Um, it's, it's <laughs> we've got charts of that later okay, on. Okay, sure. Um, it's, it's about 0.03% uh, for December at the moment. And if you compare where, what that figure was sort of this time last year, it was about minus half a percent. You know, and before that, the year before, it was minus half a percent as well. Um, so this is what we're about to experience now. It's basically the competition between interest rates, fiat interest rates, and gold interest rates. And anything that's been done in a devious manner here is going to be exposed because of that, because of what is being done on the fiat interest rate market, or the, the fiat bond market, basically. Whatever has been done that's not above board in terms of matching your maturities will be exposed as fiat interest rates fall. Okay? And at some point, I'm not saying that no one will be, everyone will not be willing to take this bribe. There will be some people who will be willing to take this bribe because they can't see the difference between owning gold, owning an ounce of gold, and owning the equivalent of that in dollars. They see no difference between the two. And if there are people that see no difference between the two, then there are people who will take this arbitrage. Okay? It's only when problems start to become more apparent that you will see less and less people willing to take this arbitrage. And this backwardation which has been coming out, in and out, it's only been, gold has only been out of backwardation this year for about 10 days so far. You know, and so it's becoming more, sorry? And we're October. And we're in October, exactly. So this is happening. This is a very quick and short explanation as to what backwardation in gold means. And now we're going to move to Professor to talk further about GoFo and falling gold prices. Sandy, I was going to sing you praise, but you deprived me of the time. Oh. But anyhow... Oh, okay. <laughs> I'll try to do my best. 
I'm not going to talk about GoFo. You are going to talk okay. about it later because it's it's pretty technical. But uh, let's just say I'm going to talk about the two-tier gold backwardation, and tier is spelled T-I-E-R. It's like a pillar. Now the uh, word. Two-tier came into use way, way back in 20th century, 1968 to be sure, which was the year when the U.S. ran out of gold, but it still had lots of gold obligations to pay. And uh, this was a terrible shame on the U.S. Treasury because the first time, practically for the first time in history, the U.S. was about to default on its foreign gold obligations. And uh, to cover that up, the central banks of the world got together and they declared that there will be a two-tier gold market. What this meant was that there will be a so-called free gold market where the price of gold would vary with supply and demand and there would be a practically hermetically separated other gold market for the official uh, holders of gold, meaning central banks and treasuries, and they would stick to the uh, price of $35 per ounce, which had been continuously maintained ever since uh, President Roosevelt uh, dreamed up the gold price. That's literally true. He, uh, there was no study, nothing. He just got up in the morning and he was still in bed and the Secretary of Treasury and Federal Reserve, etc. were there in the bedroom and said, 35 is the number. Previously, the gold price was about $20 an ounce. So they raised the gold price uh, to 35, and that had been in effect all the way to, for more than 30 years, in, to be precise, 34 years. And uh, then the US was at the point of defaulting because they were scraping the bottom of the barrel. There was practically no gold, but all these claims on the U.S. gold, because all foreign central bank holdings of short-term U.S. Uh, obligations were supposed to be convertible on demand into gold at that fixed price but there was no way to carry on any further. So they came up with a phantom, a farce, in fact. They pretended that there were two markets. One is the so-called uh, free market, and the other is the official market, where they were 
continuing uh, to buy, buy and sell gold at $35 an ounce. And uh, of course this was a default, pure and simple. There's no two ways to describe it. It was just a default of the United States government and its foreign gold obligations. But you had to hide that fact. You had to dress it up and have a, a fairy tale surrounding it that, oh, well, there are two gold markets, two tier, two tier. The official tier, which sounds very convincing that this is a sound tier, and the wobbly other tier, the free market for gold. So just confusing the world opinion, public opinion. They, they did not want to spell it out in black and white. That this is a default. And uh, you better take the consequences. You. So the universities weren't allowed to study the problem. Financial journalists weren't allowed. So there it was, and uh, what is happening today is a kind of repetition. History is repeating itself. And uh, I was going to explain it in a little more details, but you'll get through the question. Okay. So, <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, there was a problem here, you see. Uh, NASOA, our organization, New Russian School of Economics, has been studying gold backwardation for more than 10 years. And we were the leaders. In fact, we were the only ones in the early days and we forced the others to take notice that here is a problem. The problem was this. Did you mention gold bases? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So the gold bases, I'm, I'm sorry, bases in general. Not in general. No. no. So bases in general is... is it's just the difference, yeah. Uh, There's the difference between, let's talk about wheat, but that's just one example. All the other commodities have the same. <coughs> wheat for... Uh, in uh, nearby future delivery has a price and wheat for delivery on the spot right now and here has a other price and you take the difference of the two prices and uh, this number is a very important indicator and it's called the basis and all future markets uh, produce this number because they have a nearby contract which is going to mature first and it has a price and of course there is the cash market where any payment is for uh, delivery on the spot right now. Okay, so the basis for agricultural commodity shows a very clear cyclical pattern. What happens is that it follows the warehouse stocks. If the warehouse stocks are high, 
then it's going to be contangled, which means there's a healthy premium on the on the future contract, nearby future contract. Now, and when the warehouse stocks are low, that's a clear indication of the opposite, that there are shortages. The warehouse stocks uh, are not satisfactory for the existing, to satisfy the uh, existing demand. And as a result, the cash price goes to a premium relative to the nearby future price. And that is an indicator that cannot be falsified. The gold price can be falsified, the interest rate can be falsified, <laughs> and they do, all the governments are in business of falsifying all the important indications, but the one indicator they cannot falsify is, is the basis. And the fact, especially when it goes negative, negative basis means backwardation. All right, now, going back to the agricultural commodities, such as wheat and, uh, and um, soybeans and all the rest of them, uh, what happens is that at harvest time, or just before harvest time, the basis goes negative, indicating that you are scraping the bottom of the barrel. There's very little in the warehouses because they have used up during the crop year all the supplies, and now they are anxiously waiting the new harvest to come in and go to the warehouses, which in the case of wheat, for example, they have the grain elevators and corn, you know. Uh, when the uh, harvest is brought in, then the farmers send their surpluses to the elevators, and that's where it is being held. So that is the low point in that cyclical uh, cycle for the bases. And then the crop comes in, all the warehouses are filled, uh, elevators are filled, and then it takes the crop year to bring down the supplies and then the cycle starts all over again when the following year's crop is about to be harvested and, and brought in. So that's unmistakable. This is what happens. Now, you must remember that there were no gold future markets before 1970, uh, 1960-something. There were silver, yeah, because silver was traded in the future. But as far as gold is concerned, it was uh, an unknown what will happen, and what, in particular what will happen to the basis. As it turned out, when gold futures trading started first in Canada and then 
1975 also in the United States, then it turned out that uh, the gold futures markets uh, had a robust contango, which meant that a very healthy premium existed for the uh, futures, all the distant futures, but also for the nearby. And uh, well, it changed with time, but then nobody actually saw a clear trend. It was, of course, conjectured that there will be no cyclical, because there's no harvest. I mean, the gold mines don't operate like a farm, uh, that uh, there is a definite uh, date for the harvest, and then the crop year when they bring down the supplies. So uh, they accepted, people accepted the fact that there's no point looking for a cyclical pattern for the basis. There's no reason for, uh, to expect anything like that. However, it was not recognized that there was still a kind of regularity. We are way back in 1970, around that. And um, in particular, the clear trend which was formed, and it took decades for people to realize what was going on, that there was a falling tendency for the basis. Started out from the maximum, which is known as the carrying charge. I'm not going to go into the explanation why, but that's the top, the basis cannot be higher, positive, but cannot be higher than this maximum called carrying charge. And then, year after year after year, there was a definite tendency of a falling basis. And uh, it took decades to recognize this, and then they tried, uh, uh, a few people tried to explain this, and they couldn't. And uh, that's when I myself became interested in the problem, and I came up with the conclusion, which was not echoed by the <laughs> Uh, financial journals or any uh, analyst who was studying the problem the way as I was, they didn't come up with the same conclusion, but I suggested that this falling basis is like uh, the result of gravitation. The falling basis reflects the available deliverable supply of gold to the market. And very, very unobtrusively, this basis betrayed the truth, the underlying truth, that there is less and less and less gold available for investment purposes, for uh, jewelry, uh, for dental applications, whatever. And it wasn't the price which suggested that, it was the basis. So there was a big shift. The price, the gold price, was for the birds. 
I mean, no serious uh, scientist or analyst would uh, give any credence to the gold price, which was manipulated on the one hand. On the other hand, it was very sensitive to all kinds of political events un quite unrelated to the gold market. For instance, if war broke out, the gold price shut up. There is, yes. Could you give an example of how the gold price was Oh, that's a subject in itself. It would lead too far away. Let's just say this, that all markets are manipulated. But if you ask the question, which market is most manipulated, then the clear answer is the gold market. And why? Because the governments consider the gold price as an indicator of their uh, of their chicanery. They are cheating. They are, uh, you know, they, uh, for instance, Roosevelt called in all the gold from the United States. Citizens had to surrender the gold. And then, no sooner than this was completed, he put up the gold price from 20 to 35, but made sure that the government would have the gold, you see. So, I mean, the, the, the worst kind of uh, cheating uh, happened in the gold market. Uh, they happened in other markets, but the gold market. Uh, and, and uh, of course, they could do that because the central banks had very large gold reserves as a leftover from the gold standard days. And they could threaten. They didn't even have to sell the gold. They could just uh, drop a hint that the U.S. Treasury is considering reusing its... Uh, so there will be periodic auctions, auctioning off U.S. Treasury. Same with IMF. The International Monetary Fund had a huge, uh, perhaps the second largest gold hoard in history after the U.S. And uh, they were auctioning off part of that. But sometimes they didn't even have to auction it off, just threaten, just put out a communique that uh, the uh, IMF is considering, and of course they dressed it up, they said they need to raise money to help the developing country. <laughs> How nice they are you know, selling gold. But uh, very little gold was actually sold. It was a psychological warfare. But uh, that's a big subject, and I don't know. I, I appreciate it. I was more interested in, in, in yeah, how it's going up on a daily basis now. Uh -huh. That's what I'm, I'm really interested in. Uh -huh. All right. So, I called attention to this phenomenon that the gold basis is declining and the gold basis is incorruptible. 
The gold price is not incorruptible. It is highly corruptible. But the gold basis is not. And therefore it has a message. And the message is there to be deciphered. It's a coded message and you want to understand. So, uh, well, of course, uh, we didn't know the clear answer. It was just uh, something to watch. And ultimately, the gold basis fell to zero, not along a straight line, but with zigzags. And then the question was, what is going to happen now? And uh, of course, uh, we who were not committed to any kind of government uh, uh, propaganda, we said, yes, it's going to be negative, and it's going to be uh, jumping in and out of negative territory, go back to positive, and so on. But ultimately, it's going to be permanently negative, and that's what uh, we call permanent gold backwardation, which indicates that now there's so little deliverable gold in the gold market that the, um, uh, the those who have commitments to deliver gold at some future date are going to be in trouble and they ultimately have to default. And uh, th then we had to study the consequences. And the consequences were uh, terrifying because what it means, <coughs> permanent gold backwardation is that gold is no longer available at any price. You could bid up the price of gold, but there will be no offers. The offers will disappear from the board. Nobody, after a period of time, nobody will be selling gold. In other words, if you want gold, you have to go to barter. You have to sell paper is no good. You won't get any gold for paper. But if you have silver, you can barter. If you have uh, crude oil, you can barter for gold. If you have uh, wheat or any kind of food stuff, which is in short supply, you can barter. So in other words, the bottom line is that from multilateral trade, the word, world is is uh, reduced to barter, which is a retrogressive step. You know, we know we owe our prosperity to multilateral trade. That it doesn't really matter what you are producing as long as it's a useful good, then you can get, well we have been through yesterday, this, you can get anything because the money, uh, if it's good money, will uh, make it possible to 
make the exchange through the intermediary of money as the most marketable good. So that is fading out. Now, the problem is that this is highly contagious. For the gold for gold and silver is going to be barter first. But then the contagion goes on and it spreads to other highly marketable commodities such as I mentioned crude oil, uh, <coughs> corn, um, and, and uh, well, other metals, uh, base metals, which are considered highly marketable. So that is a conjecture because it hasn't happened yet. And in all history, there's no precedent for this. But we were very confident and announced this that this is in the future. And the consequences are very, very grave because it means that there will be shortages all across the board. There will be bankruptcies, there will be unemployment at an unprecedentedly high rate, and even pestilence, breakdown law of law and order, and you just continue the list. All kinds of uh, catastrophes will hit the world and hit the world indiscriminately. It's not necessarily the guilty countries which should be punished, but the whole world. And uh, there is uh, no escape, practically. You have to jump off the globe in order to escape. So there it is. This is the picture. And, and it's just a conjecture, just a, uh, a warning that this is what we are facing unless, unless we coax the gold out of hiding. Because what was happening, what has been happening, was that gold didn't disappear. Gold is pretty well indestructible, but it went into hiding. And that's exactly the same what happened in the last days of the Western Roman Empire, which collapsed in the year 476. And after that, the Dark Ages followed, where there was no security, uh, no public security. There was uh, roaming uh, bands of armed people. They robbed indiscriminately everybody on the highways and off the highways, and so on. And lasted hundreds of years until, of course, we know that eventually the world came out of it, um, basically again for commercial reasons, because the Italian city-states introduced bills of exchange which and that helped to coax gold out of hiding. But this is something to remember that the uh, 
return to barter it goes hand in hand with the pretty well the collapse of civilization as we know it. And, and therefore the governments should really take care that this doesn't happen. The world should not be allowed to fall back into barter. Because especially in our case, when our very highly developed trade and uh, industry, and just think of the computers and uh, jetliners and uh, all other things which didn't exist in, uh, in the past, uh, are very highly vulnerable for, for a, a trade, world trade, which where things are available, if there are breakdowns and so on, then the whole thing could collapse like a house of cards. And uh, so we are on record to predict this, that unless the governments wake up and do something which will reboost confidence, that gold will come out of hiding and so on. And they could do that overnight by opening their mint to gold and silver. And they are not doing, they are not even considering it. No political party. And, and uh, you know, we are pretty well in the minority of one <laughs> that uh, this is going to end in a very sad way. Now, what happened was, uh, starting in uh, 2008, uh, gold showed like going into permanent backwardation. So of course we were very curious to follow the events because our reputation was at stake. We predicted this, this uh, Armageddon, this uh, uh, cataclysmic collapse of world trade, unemployment and all the rest of it. And, well, is it happening? And uh, that was five years ago, and nothing like that happened. Of course, the, things got worse and worse if you follow the real indicators, not the government manipulated indicators, rate of inflation, unemployment, and all the rest. But, but nothing like what we have been predicting. So the question arose, well, uh, is the theory wrong, the theory what we have been advocating, or is it uh, that uh, the, what we see is not really a permanent backwardation, but just uh, a, a warning and uh, it will go back and forth and so on. So uh, there was no clear-cut answer, and I am uh, very proud to uh, command Sandy here, sitting next to me, who came up with a uh, with a, an explanation which I myself found acceptable and found as the most likely ex ex explanation. And what Sandy did was he drew a parallel between the two-tier gold market of the 1970s and the present 
what you could call the two-tier gold uh, backwardation. Now, I have already uh, explained the uh, two-tier gold markets in the 1970s, which ended in an utmost failure, a, a, a shameful thing, because the official gold market was a sham, it was a farce. No central bank was willing to sell gold at $35 when they could get $70 in the, in the other tier, the free market. And so this was just maintained to fool the people around the world, this two-tier. It was a farce. And what uh, Sandeep suggested, and perhaps he could explain it better than I, that the two tiers today are the uh, gold future markets on the one hand and the gold lease market on the other and the thing to watch in the gold future is the gold basis and the backwardation meaning that the gold basis goes negative and gets stuck there never again to come out which hasn't happened yet and the other tier is the gold lease market where the corresponding indicator is not the not called the basis, it's called GOFO. But he, I'll leave it to him to explain GOFO. I will tell the audience what it means. It's gold... Offered forward rate. Forward rate. Uh, technical, but you will have to wait a little bit for the explanation what it means. So these are two indicators. And one is a sham and the other is the real stuff. You know, just like way back in the 1970s, the uh, phantom price of $35 an ounce, which the governments wanted to maintain, uh, didn't work, but they still maintained this. And then, of course, the uh, more information came out of the, the um, free market price of So, the gold lease market is in my opinion, and I think uh, Sandy would uh, confirm that, is a farce. It's a phantom market because because leased gold, leased, which means bottled gold, really. I mean, there's no need for another word, but they came up with that, so we are sticking with the leased. Uh, the leased gold cannot do what cash gold, fully owned gold can do, which means uh, extinguish debt. It's the only thing. Now if you lease gold for any length of time, it has to be returned. So how can you use it to extinguish debt? It's a crazy idea, but that's what they pretend. That the lease market, the gold lease market is solving all our problems because the debt can ultimately be reduced. So um, that's what I wanted to say and uh, we can continue with the discussion. Uh, well, you can yeah, um, I was going to say um, we'll have a ten minute, ten minute break and okay. then um, unless there are any immediate questions right now um, that you might forget if you wait ten minutes.
Okay, we'll come back in ten minutes. So.